Hi, this is Lisa Davis, and welcome to another episode of Talk Healthy Today. This show is brought to you by the folks at Better Nutrition, Amazing Wellness, Clean Eating, Vegetarian Times, The Yoga Journal, and more. The show provides you with the latest research tools and common sense tips you need to get and stay healthy starting today. People tell me listening to the show is like overhearing two friends talking about really incredible health topics that you want to know about. I like to really get to know my guests and I'd like you to get to know them as well. So we delve really deeply into topics and I like to share some personal anecdotes as well. To make sure you never miss an episode of Talk Healthy Today, be sure to subscribe, also rate and review. So thank you again for listening to Talk Healthy Today. And here's a word from our sponsors. Part two of the interview I did with Dr. Sherry Campbell, where we all discovered just how toxic my parents really were. So now we're going to talk a little bit more about toxic families in general. Dr. Sherry Campbell's fantastic book, But It's Your Family, Cutting Ties with Toxic Family Members and Loving Yourself in the Aftermath. Dr. Sherry, or do you prefer Dr. Campbell? Dr. Sherry is absolutely fine. Great. Dr. Sherry, welcome back. Thanks, Lisa. It was so fun during your last show, and I'm just excited to add more value uh, and transformation for people listening. I know you talked about there being intermittent kindness, but it was always to benefit them. The more toxic a family is, the more rigid the rules, the less flexibility. And so intermittent kindness really was just given for compliance, you know, or they would know that maybe they had pushed me too far. And so they need to have me in my role as the scapegoat. So not hard to give me a dose of kindness when I so needed it. And I can't tell the difference as a little girl um, that it's not real. And so it's just so not hard to manipulate that. And really, truly, even as an adult, you know, when you've, we just were drawn to family, we want our tribe. And so even the intermittent kindness as an adult was very tricky for me. It would confuse me. It would put me into hope. You know, there's four stages of abuse that I talk about in my book. There's, you, you get idealized and as soon as they've got you, they begin to devalue you. Then they discard you completely, making you feel ostracized. And then you're kind of in exile, having really severe abandonment feelings and problems, wondering why you're not lovable, trying to gather what did you do that was so bad? What about you was so flawed? And then they kind of hoover like the vacuum cleaner and they suck you back in with a dose of kindness where you feel idealized again. So the lower your abandonment is, the more extreme that idealization feels. So each time you fall down that ladder of abuse, the deeper your abuse becomes because your pain is deeper each time. Right. Oh, that makes so much sense. So could you give us some examples for people who are like, okay, I think this happened, or I'm not sure, I see friends struggling with this. What, what's like an example of that? And if you want to use in your life or, you know, somebody you've worked with, confidential, of course. <laughs> so, you know, let's say that my sibling um, who was, was who was male, so there's sort of a different dynamic, but when, you know, when boys go away or they find a girlfriend, they tend to replace their mother with that new woman, right? So this is an example, not only do I see in me, but I've seen many times in my office. And so to get my, my sibling back in his position of the golden child, she would sort of be really kind to me and let him know good things about me. And then this would threaten his position 
as the good one. And then he would naturally come back to giving her the attention she needed. And so as soon as she was getting the attention she needed, I was discarded again. Oh my goodness. That's just crushing. Oh, so crushing, especially for a child who really doesn't understand. It just felt like there was an in-group and the out-group, and I was most often in the out-group. So even if you're at school and you're in the out-group and you know someone invites you into the in-group, you just feel so good for that moment, only to have it go away again. Yes. Yeah, that is what's so complicated. And uh, with these toxic people, if you were to confront them, they would completely act like you were the crazy one and that they're totally fine. Oh, my goodness. Oh, absolutely. One time uh, my mother said to me, oh, don't worry, honey, someone will marry you. Oh my God. And I was like, well, why would you say it like that? And she's like, what? I'm just totally supporting you. I'm trying to encourage you. And and I, you're baffled because it isn't what she said necessarily that was the issue. It was the cryptic way in which she said it. And I cannot prove a tone of voice. Yeah, that's insane. And it's so obvious that there was so much meanness in that. Cruelty. Absolutely. Don't worry, honey. Someone. Someone will marry you. Oh, my. And then when you confront her, she's like, what? And then again, right? Oh, this makes me so mad. The first time I watched the movie Tangled and I saw Mother Gothel, and I actually write this example in my book, she has her arm around Rapunzel in a mirror and says, Look at this strong, amazing, beautiful woman in that mirror. And Rapunzel's eyes get hopeful. And then Mother Gothel goes, oh, you're here too. Oh, gosh, you take everything so personal. You can't even take a joke. She's so toxic. Yeah, but that's my mom. That is exactly the way that my mother was toxic. She didn't overtly abuse me. It was in those ways. So like a look of disgust could annihilate me almost even worse than if she and I were in an argument. It would be that look, and I can't prove it. Oh, my gosh. That is so upsetting. Now, in the book, uh, Dr. Sherry, you do talk about mothers. What are some other ways that mothers can be toxic? What are some other behaviors? Oh, my gosh. They can be so overly involved in your life, you know, uh, analyzing and judging everything you say, you do, your grades. They're constantly having an image that they want you to be. And so they're always cutting you down. You know, you're never measuring up. Uh, They can go through your private stuff, your journals, your, you know, your... Uh, your phone calls, your Facebooks, it's it's amazing now what they can do. Um, But they're never wrong. And they coach or couch the way that they're handling things as they just want what's best for you. In the meantime, you have no boundaries. You're constantly feeling like something's wrong with you. Um, And they are above reproach. They're right. And they never apologize. I know with my mom, if she was ever really caught and it was really obviously that she was caught, her defense would be to fall into a victim role of how she can't do or say anything right and start sobbing. So now I'm the cruel daughter who won't forgive her mother who's just so hurt by what she did. Right? But she was never hurt by what she did. It was just another way to pull confusion into me by falling into this victim of soggy, weepy mess. And this is what she is today. She's, she runs around and plays the victim as she is still doing very cruel things to me in my life. And you have cut off contact, and that's that separation abuse that you write about, where she's not respecting that boundary. 
No, not at all. And she never will. So, you know, in the, in the me pioneering this movement of being able to go silent with our toxic family members, I thought that no contact would actually mean that my abuse ended. And in book two, that is going to be hitting editing uh, by end of summer, I wrote all about what it's like being in the aftermath because I had no idea. I just thought the abuse would end. Um, and that was sort of a naive thought on my part in hindsight, but, you know, we're still learning and un, un, unraveling the, the, the dynamic that I'm suffering in or being put in. So an example would be for one Christmas, she sent me a statue, which is a bronze, and these are nearly impossible to break because they're solid. And it was broken at the base and it was a statue of a mother swinging a daughter. Oh my gosh. That's so cryptic. So cryptic. And um, it was sent broken because you really can't break a bronze. If people, listeners know what those are, those are tiny little statues that are on like mantles in a cabin that have like a, a horse. And you, I mean, they're like 20 pounds, you know? So um, because we aren't in, in a relationship, it's an inappropriate gift to send not broken um, she can try to feign that she sent it because I have a daughter, yet every other gift in there had to do with mothering and we don't speak. So it's very clear what the message is. So she achieved a cryptic message and the hope that I would break contact because if the statue is broken and there's no receipt, I'd have to call her to get it replaced. Or if I send it back to her, she can say, look at how mean she is. I sent her a gift and she broke it and sent it back. So I did nothing with it. I just threw it in the trash to avoid further abuse, right? So all of this stuff was sent just with one gift, but I can't prove it. And people could go, but she's trying. No, she's not. Who would say, that's what baffles my mind. Who are these people who would say, but she's trying? I don't understand that. Oh, you have no idea how many there are. <laughs> I, I've had people say to me, you're going to regret this when you die. You only have one mother. Um, are you sure? Are you just being too sensitive? Because she reaches out. Her habit is to reach out. On my birthday, I get a card. And at Christmas, I get a gift. But there's 363 other days of the year where she could contact me by mail and it wouldn't make her look good because it's not a holiday. And I'll never hear from her on any other day because she's not doing it because she wants a relationship with me. She just wants to be sure that she looks like she's trying to her posse where she's got a smear campaign against me going. That is just, I'm just absolutely baffled. You know, I, I want to jump into fathers. Talk to us a little bit about what you talked about in the book about toxic fathers and give us some examples. So there's lots of different kinds. I had a tyrannical father um, and I don't write much about him in the book simply because he was involved in very cultish, strange uh, beliefs. And some of this stuff is so unreal that it's just not worth it to write about it. Um, because I actually knew it was crazy. <laughs> the harder part for me was not knowing when someone was 
crazy, but they were, and they were impacting me. But so there's a tyrannical dad and very charming. And it seems like everyone in the superficial world loves him, but he's absolutely horrible and abusive to his family members, especially his wife and children. Um, it's an in-group, out-group. He loves you or hates you. He'll threaten the relationship often, making you feel insecure all the time. You never know where you stand. Then there is this passive father that I think is even more abusive because he is as scared of our toxic mother as we are. And so the way that he functions is to get us to behave for her so he doesn't take any, you know, abuse from her either. So it's like, you know, don't, don't do when your mom's home, don't do that. Don't do this because if it's not getting taken out on the kids and it'll get taken out on him. And so what he doesn't understand is the lack of logic that he's applying to the parenting, which is take the abuse. Because he's not standing up for or protecting his children. He's getting them to comply with manipulation so that they stay relatively safe, right? So if kids do that on their own, which kids tend to naturally do that on their own for survival um, and to maintain the image that their parent is good and they are bad, children will naturally become passive. But when the father is not leading or showing that there's a way to stand up for yourselves, then they're, they've lost two parents because he's actually contributing to their abuse. When we did the first part, and I talked about my uh, grandmother having bipolar and not taking her medication and, you know, looking at mental illness, when I think about your mother, I think, you know, isn't narcissistic personality disorder, is that still part of the DSM? I mean, isn't there some mental illness going on with your mother, would you say, or something? Okay. A personality disorder of some kind? So if I were to diagnose my mom, I think she's a borderline personality disorder with a narcissistic histrionic defense, who's also incredibly dependent and antisocial in the way that she's just intentionally cruel, right? So if you have one type of a personality disorder, you have elements of all of them. So my mom is borderline at her core. She's got a nice narcissistic defense and she's incredibly histrionic. She can't be alone. She can't, you know, she's been married multiple times. So there's a big dependency she has. And she was definitely dependent on family for money. And then, you know, the cruelty is just this, this antisocial. So my mom got too much. She grew up in a wealthy family and she got too much. And I think she's just an entitled person who always feels like she doesn't have enough. My father got far too little. He came from a very unhealthy, toxic family of uh, domestic violence and addiction. And so he's going to get his at all cost. He doesn't care who he gets to get it. So she, she's spoiled and he's not had enough. And you put that together as a mix and that wasn't real good. No, not at all. And that's the problem is they're coming from these toxic environments. And then unless you stop and are willing to face what's going on, you're going to pass that toxicity on. I have a, I have a perfect example. Uh, oh, my goodness. I used to live next door or we, my family used to live next door. Um, not my family growing up, but my family, now me, my husband and my daughter. And this woman was, she would yell at her kids all the time and it would make my daughter cry mm -hmm. and she could hear them in their house. And so one day we were outside and I said, you know, we can hear you yelling. And she's like, I'm a yella. I come from a family of yellows. That's just how we are. And I thought that is yeah, so yeah. sad. 
you can't like, this is what I got. So I'm going to give it to my kids and then your kids are going to pass it on. One of you has got to stop and say, this is not right. But she was almost proud and and we moved because they were just, she would yell all the time. And so we just moved. Well, it's amazing, right? What one toxic person can do, it can impact it can destroy the lives of so many. I mean, Hitler's obviously an extreme example, but your neighbor was so toxic that you had to move, right? So it's just, it's amazing how repulsive the the personality is and how, you know, emotions are contagious. And so it's very challenging to maintain who you are when you're, you're being poisoned like that. And the environment is so emotional, you know, and I, I think that my grandparents on my mom's side, that they, as people were very healthy people. And I think that the intention they had with the money that they had, the sending the the girls to boarding school and this and that, you know, was, was, um, they just maybe didn't realize they gave too much, you know, there can be really good parents. And one of the fathers I talk about is the permissive father, sort of the, the Disneyland dad, where he doesn't want to connect emotionally with his children, but he'll give them everything. And then they turn out like my mother did. Yeah, it's so interesting to know. And then you have grandparents mm-hmm. uh, and in-laws. And I saw that toxicity with my grandmother. My grandfather was, I'll put it this way, he was the only adult my sister trusted. He was the be-all and end-all. Like, he was such an amazing person. But then I kind of have some anger at him at my mom, for my mom, because he never, he didn't take my mom out of the situation with my grandmother, who was bipolar, and wouldn't take her medication. Instead, he tried to like do everything he could to make things better and spend time with her. And, you know, but I feel like, why didn't he just take her out? But then again, it's, you know, marriage is complicated. This was in the 1940s. But at least he was amazing to us and to her. I mean, when they would visit, my mother's stress level would be through the roof over her mom. But then on the opposite side, she was just, I can't wait to see my dad. Like he was just one of a kind. Um, but it's interesting, right? Because it's it's a hard dynamic. It's a really hard dynamic, especially if there's a Jekyll Hyde. I mean, I think all toxic people sort of have these Jekyll Hyde personalities where they're nice one minute, you know, um, to see if abuse was consistent, no one would stay. Ah, oh, that makes sense. Well, she was away a lot because she was institutionalized. And then my grandfather would just take care of my mom and he did a good job, but then she'd come back and everything would get messed up. If they're medication compliant, it's like, it's, it would be like a diabetic not taking their insulin, you know, whereas with a toxic person, someone who's bipolar and someone who's toxic one is 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 not a choice and the other is actually a choice. My mom is consciously aware of what she's doing and she just doesn't care that she's doing it. She doesn't care. You know, I know that uh, someone very close to me confronted her and said, you know, your pride is so in your way. You know, I mean, your pride has kept you out of a relationship with your daughter and granddaughter for three years. Like he said, I can't imagine being so my need to be right, be so strong that I would, that I would with my children that I'd ever not see them. And, and she's like, well, I do want a relationship with her. And he looked at her and he's like, no, you don't. (laughs) You want to, you want to be right because you've let this go now for three years. This is your daughter and your granddaughter, you know? So then she just said, well, can we still be friends to him? You know, so her, her, she's so her, her pride. So that's a choice. I treat three people that are bipolar and when their moods change, there is no choice. There's no choice when those moods change, 
right? There's something going on in their brain that's making those moods change. And further, people that are bipolar don't tend to take it out on others. They take it all out on themselves, right? So it's it's just very different, you know? Um, it's actually harder to deal with someone who's toxic than someone who's bipolar. Yeah, I can totally see that. That totally makes sense. Now, looking at in-laws, I got very lucky. My uh, father-in-law is wonderful. He's been, he comes over every day to spend time with my daughter. They're super close. Aww. He reminds me of my grandpa, Saul. He's amazing. And my, yeah. my mother-in-law, unfortunately, passed away about 10 years ago. She was a little standoffish, but not mean. She was just kind of, she had a lot of anxiety, but she she would speak with me. She was kind. She just wasn't as gregarious as, as, yeah, she wasn't super warm, but there was nothing like toxic about her. My husband had a really nice childhood, which is nice. I get jealous sometimes, but but I'm yeah. lucky because there are people who have to deal with some pretty gnarly, you know, in-laws. Yes, there are. And oh, do I see that in my office. <laughs> the in-laws that are that are really challenging are almost always hands down the mother of the son. That's what I was thinking. Almost hands down. However, I have a girlfriend who's mother is just horrible to her. And the father, her husband had a really hard time liking her, but he could tolerate her. But what this woman would do is she would try to put him in the middle. So first she hated him and she was trying to break up that marriage. Like she didn't like my girlfriend's husband. And then when the girl, the wife was like, you know, my girlfriend was like, God, this is just crazy. My mom's crazy. And she wanted to pull away. Then the mother switched teams and tried to get her husband in the middle and befriend him. So it's crazy what they'll do. They'll just switch. If, it, if they see that something's not working, okay, so me being mean to him isn't working. And it's causing me to get a pushback from my daughter. So I'm going to switch it. And I'm going to start to be nice to him and two-face my own daughter to him. So she they cut ties with her after kind of we had they had sort of been out of communication, but my book was very validating for her. And she wrote me such a sweet note, you know, just saying, oh, it's just validated everything. But that's more unusual. It's most common to have a jealous mother involved with the new wife. That's the most common mother-in-law. All right. So Dr. Sherry, next time you come on, we're going to talk about healing because we've talked a lot about the toxicity. And I also want people to read your book because it absolutely is incredible, but it's your family. Oh, but it's your family, right? That's how people say it. Cutting ties with toxic family members and loving yourself in the aftermath. Dr. Sherry Campbell, tell us all the ways we can find you and your fantastic So you can find me at sherrycampbellphd.com. Um, and you can find me on my Facebook page, which is a wonderful resource because I have about 105,000 followers and I blog every day about toxic people and I give Thursday videos and I'm also beginning to run boot camp weekends, um, with another colleague and, um, he's a, he's wonderful. He's a litigation attorney and, um, he's been married for 43 years and he's bringing in how to get through marriage and I'm bringing in how to handle being divorced and toxic family. And what about toxic traits in your partner? And we're going to combine this and it's going to be absolutely incredible. Well, you're really incredible. Dr. Sherry, thank you so much. Oh, you're so welcome. I love doing this with you. The series is going to be really fun. And you know, I'm really happy that we have been able to connect.
Thank you so much for listening to Talk Healthy Today. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. You can subscribe on Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks so much for listening. Take care.